My in-laws, Sue's parents, inherited a cottage way up north in Michigan that's been in their family for several generations. In fact, Sue's grandfather built that cottage on on a small inland lake. Now, for our family, one of the favorite things that we like to do is to go up and spend some vacation time on, in that cottage on the lake. Now, it, it's in this little town, and there, is, there are other houses on the lake, but um, there, there aren't a whole lot of people, especially in the wintertime. But if you go outside at nighttime, when it's very dark, it feels like you're out in the middle of nowhere with no one else around. And it's one of those places where there's no Wi-Fi, uh, there's n- not very good cell phone reception. If you try to make a phone call, uh, good luck, you, you might get a, a call in, you might not. But it, I, I've at times brought my computer up there to try to do some work, and it's been very difficult, almost impossible to get anything done. One, one of the things that I just love about this house is that at nighttime you can go outside and you can hear the crickets chirping and the sounds of the water just kind of lapping up quietly on the shore. If, in fact, if you go up on, in the wintertime and the lake is frozen over and the animals are hibernating, you go outside and you really hear nothing. It is, that, that quiet is refreshing, it is life-giving. Honestly, at times it's even a little unnerving. Now, I think about that experience at the cabin, at the cottage, and then I, I contrast that with the experience that I had from this past weekend. Because I needed confirmation of the brokenness of the world, of the effects of sin in the world, I went shopping this weekend. Now, Sue wasn't having anything to do with that, and so I took the kids and we went shopping this weekend, and there were many other people out there doing the same thing. Needless to say, it was pandemonium. It was crazy. Whether you went to the mall or to Target or to the grocery store, the hecticness, the craziness was almost out of control. It feels like every day, at Christ- as Christmas gets a little closer, it becomes more busy. Things get louder and louder. What I want us to think about tonight is that as we consider all of the holiday celebrations, what I want us to wrestle with this evening is that noise and being busy and hectic and crazy just seems to be part of our culture today. It seems to be a cultural norm. It seems that the kind of, that's kind of heightened around Christmas time, but really it's just a normal thing all the time. That it kind of has become an accustomed thing to have this hecticness and this busyness. It's just a way of life. And what I want us to wrestle with is that while our culture is this way, I think that uh, that kind of hurts our faith in many ways. The fact is that our lives are so crazy, so crammed full of things, that it's truly, uh, especially during the Christmas season, it, it leaves very little space for reflection and thought that we need at Christmas time and what it is that we're actually even celebrating. The busyness of life gives us no room to consider what it is that should be celebrated most at Christmas time. That God came and he became a man and in doing so he brought salvation and reconciliation. He brought hope and he brought life. And so that's what we want to do here this evening. We want to give you an opportunity to kind of slow down a little bit to, to uh, get a little less noise and take a couple of minutes to kind of reflect and to think and to consider what it is that we're celebrating. 
Friends, the constant noise hurts our faith because it's in the quiet and the times of reflection that we understand more deeply who God is and how he cares for us so much. Think about those times at the cottage when you're outside and everything is so quiet. You look up into the skies and you can't help but to think that there are some deeper things in life that are more important. And this shouldn't surprise us because in Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10, a verse that we'll have up on the screen here this evening, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. I won't ask you to raise your hands here this evening, but how many of you find it difficult? Uh, you have a difficult time being still and knowing that He is God. Even Jesus, in his three years of ministry, I mean, he had a lot to do in that three-year period of time, but even Jesus, as we read in the Gospels, that, that he had this priority of being quiet, this priority of being still. And friends, if you don't make the, the same priorities in your life, you're just going to ride this wave of being busy all the time. If you're visiting with us tonight, what we've been doing over the Advent season is we've been looking at and talking about well-known Christmas, Christmas carols. We've been using that as kind of like a jump-off point to then discuss the good news of Christmas. And so as background for tonight's Christmas carol, I, I want to tell you the story. In the year 1818, so that was 200 years ago, 1818... There was a band of uh, roving actors that would go around performing throughout these little towns in the Austrian Alps. One night, the actors came to this tiny town of o Oberndorf uh, for their annual presentation of the Christmas story. Ironically, they were going to do the Christmas story at this church called St. Nicholas Church. However, the organ had been damaged uh, in the church, at the church, and so they, they hadn't had time to repair it for the program that was coming up, and, uh, they, and so they had to move it to a, a private house. And so they move away from the church, and they uh, put this program on in a house. That night, the assistant pastor of the church, whose name was Joseph Moore, he uh, was heading out, walking on this new fallen snow, he, his path back home that night led him over a hill. And as he stood on that hill, he looked out over the town that was all lit up, and it was still, and it was quiet, and there was this majestic silence. He, he thought then that his thoughts then took him back to that first Christmas where the angels spoke to faithful shepherds on that holy night. As Moore stood there, this poem began to form in his mind. And so when he got home, he wrote this poem down. He wrote it all in one night. He wished that he could have this poem sung somehow. That, that um, uh, for their upcoming Christmas program, they could put it to music and, and sing it. And so the next day, he gets up and he rushes out to the home of his friend, the, the church organist, a guy by the name of Franz Gruber. And he says to him, hey, could you uh, sing this? Could you put, this music, put music to this song so that we could sing it? It's recorded that Gruber's response was, friend, you found it. The right song. God be praised. It's also reported that Gruber then recorded the music for this song in just one day. 
On Christmas Day, during the service at that little church, Franz Gruber and John Moore sang this new song to the congregation. Since they weren't able to play it on the organ, Gruber accompanied them with the guitar. That day, Silent Night was sung for the first time. A few weeks later, someone came in and repaired the organ. And once that organ was repaired, Franz Gruber sat down and he began to play that instrument. And on the instrument, he played Silent Night. Deeply touched by the music, the repairman takes this song back to a village. And he would say, uh, and as we would say in our lingo today, that song kind of went viral everywhere. It went all over the place. The repairmen went back to his village where there was another group that would travel around Austria called the Strasser Sisters who picked this song up and began to sing it everywhere they went. Quickly, the, uh, this became a European favorite and in 1871 it made its first appearance here in America. The song Silent Night may very well be the most popular Christmas carol of all time. Consider this story. In 1914, during World War I, after hundreds of thousands of lives had already been lost, there was this amazing night. On Christmas Eve, something amazing happened that caused the enemies to kind of put down their weapons, even if it was for a day. As darkness fell on Christmas Eve, the German soldiers, the French soldiers, the British soldiers were all entrenched there and they laid their weapons down and all the soldiers began to sing this song, Silent Night. They, there was no fighting that Christmas Eve. You see, friends, there's something about this song that touches people and I think that it might be uh, the silence and the holiness that is highlighted here. That while focusing on the baby in the manger, the song says that it was a holy night. Glory streamed from heaven afar. The heavenly hosts sing hallelujah. Christ, the Savior, is born. You see, the declaration that's made in this song is that there is peace and holiness because on that first Christmas, the Savior came and that's changed everything. That's the message but that's not just the message of the song, that's the message of Christmas. That the baby born to Mary, lying in the manger, is the Savior of the world. That He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, we read in Scripture that all of humanity has a problem, and that problem is the problem of sin. That you have a sin problem and I have a sin problem. It's not just that we sin, but that we are sinful by our very nature. That's the case for all people, and in fact, the scriptures say that no one is righteous, not even one. The book of Romans tells us that the result of our sin is daunting, and we read that the wages of sin is death. That's why we need a Savior. This is why Jesus came. It's the message of Christmas that a Savior has been born. In John chapter 3, probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible we read in verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17, we read, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Why did Jesus come? Why is this such a big deal? Well, 
He came as a baby, and when he came, he brought hope and life and forgiveness and victory and restoration. This is the message of Christmas, and this is why it is such good news of great joy for all the people. Friends, this is why I beg you, don't let the craziness of Christmas just take our focus off of what it is that we are celebrating Please don't let the hecticness of Christmas take your mind off of the cosmically good news that is at the heart of the holiday. Don't let the noise of Christmas drown out your chance to grasp at a deeper level your need for a Savior and the truth that on the first Christmas, the Savior that we all so desperately needed came as a baby and born in a manger, and that is the good news. Know that some of you uh, just can't wait to open up your gifts. That Christmas morning is coming and you're so excited about it. Some of you are, are, have even gone around the house and maybe sh- shaken some of those gifts. And, and you're just trying to guess what they maybe are. You're so excited. Maybe you're so excited about the fact that you're going to get to hang out with family or with friends or watch uh, Christmas movies together. But I don't want you to lose sight of what it is that we're really celebrating. Don't blow past what this is really all about. A Savior has been born. Jesus has come. And because Jesus has come, because God invaded humanity, we now have hope. We have life. Our our sin problem has been dealt with. And that is the good news that we're celebrating. That is why Christmas is such a great holiday. It's not because of all the great things that we get to do or because we get a couple of days off of work or get off of school for a couple of weeks or whatever it might be. It's because Jesus came and when he came, everything changed. Maybe you're visiting here tonight and you're here because someone invited you. Maybe you're here tonight because uh, you felt like someone was kind of forcing you to come, kind of prodding you. You didn't really have a choice about whether you were going to come here or not. Well, If that's you today, I want you to consider this. What is Christmas really all about anyway? Where is your hope found? That's the question that we all must ask. That's the question that we all must answer. As we grasp the good news of the coming of Jesus, the good news should cause us to experience a couple of emotions. And in the remainder of our time here this, this evening, what I want us to do, what I want us to talk about are two emotions that must come bubbling up if we really understand the good news of the gospel, the good news of the Savior. The first emotion that I want us to talk about is something that we talked about a couple of Sundays ago, and that is joy. Christmas must absolutely bring us joy and not just a happiness that comes with presence. If you went to turn on the TV right now, every commercial that you would see is this happiness, is that you would be told that happiness comes when on Christmas morning your significant other wakes you up and they've bought you a new car, it's sitting out in the driveway and there's a bow on top of it. Or you just got a brand new Apple Watch. Or you got some super cool high-tech drone. Or you you got this um, Nintendo Switch with a Super Smash Bros. game. Or you, you got a little Gleamers toy from Mattel. But those things are not true and lasting joy. That's not where it comes from. 
Instead, as we read in the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, that the way the angel describes what was happening to these terrified shepherds is that it is good news of great joy for all people. And that's the reason, the reason why this is such good news of great joy is that on that day, in the city of David, a Savior has been born. Because that's just, that's such cosmic, uh, cosmically good news. It transcends our circumstances. That the good news for the Christian is that our joy doesn't have to be rooted in our circumstances. And that's good news because our circumstances are going to change. Things might be going good today, but tomorrow maybe not so good. Or maybe things are going not very well. Maybe they're going pretty badly today but much better tomorrow. Our circumstances can change. We, can of, we, we, we often are not in control of our circumstances. But the good news of Christmas is that whether life is good or whether life is hard, we can have joy and we can have hope because a Savior has come and the way of salvation has been made. In the manger in Bethlehem was the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lord. And because that's true, we can have joy. But, that's, uh, but there's a second emotion that kind of rises up in us as we understand this good news of great joy in the coming of Jesus, and that is awe. Awe is described as a feeling of reverential respect that's mixed with fear and wonder. This is a great picture of what's happening when we deeply understand the good news of Jesus' birth. That we are blown away, that we wonder about uh, this, we have this wonder about us, that, that we have our minds, we just can't wrap our minds totally around this thing, what it means, why would God love us this much? Friends, what was the last thing that caused you awe? What was the last thing that caused you wonder? A great sign of something causing you awe or something causing you wonder is that you're speechless. Remember being in awe when I was standing in front of Niagara Falls and I saw it for the first time. I was something like 10 years old or something like that and, and I'm standing there on the sidewalk looking out over the falls and it, it, it was just uh, this wall of water was crashing down over and over and over again. The sheer power, the sheer beauty of the falls, it was overwhelming. It was breathtaking to me. I was thinking about this idea of awe and I thought back uh, to another experience of awe that I heard someone uh, recently talk about in school there are teachers who like to take the opportunity to go on field trips to allow their kids to experience certain uh, things in a tangible way well I, I was talking to this parent who said that a couple of years ago when his daughter was in sixth grade their teacher their high their their history teacher uh, decided to take the students on a field trip to the holocaust museum way up north in Skokie now uh, they, whenever you go on a field trip, the, 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 you have to have parents. You have to have people who would chaperone and uh, kind of help out with this trip. And so this father decides that, yeah, I'll volunteer to go along on this trip. He says, you know, if you've ever been on a school bus with a bunch of other sixth graders, it is not a quiet experience at all. There is yelling, there is screaming, they're being loud, they're having a good time, this whole ride up to the museum. 
They get to the museum, they get out of the bus, they get onto the sidewalk, and he said, you know what, it was like herding cats. I mean, impossible. These kids are just going crazy. And they get into the museum, things are still a little crazy. But then they start the tour, and he said that every sixth grader and every adult there was absolutely quiet. Now, were they quiet because the chaperones started yelling at them and said, hey, you've got to be quiet? <laughs> no, they were quiet because they began to grasp what it was that they were seeing. They started to understand the gravity of what they were being told and what they were experiencing. And that is what awe is. It is, com- it, it, it is coming before something and realizing that what I'm experiencing is so much bigger than me. And it, it, it's, it's something, it's seeing something, it is experiencing something, it is understanding and it is saying, you know what, I just cannot, cannot believe this. I cannot wrap my mind around this. It is a mixture of wonder and fear. It is worship. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29, and it says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And then something that accompanies awe is silence and reflection. Friends, if you begin to lose your awe, you begin to lose your wonder over who Jesus is and what he has done, you will begin to lose your grasp on why this is good news of great joy and why the, the, the good news, the gospel is good news. On that first Christmas, God became man. And in becoming human, he came with a purpose, and that was to bring salvation for sin. He came to this broken world. He he brought light into the darkness. He uh, came to bring spiritual healing to the spiritually dead. I know that some of you have been to many, many Christmas services over the years. And it would be really easy to just kind of sit here and take this for granted and say, you know what, I've heard this whole story before. But let me tell you, We must not overlook this. We must have a high view of Jesus. That that whether this is the first time that you've heard the story or the thousandth time, that your mind is just blown away again. You need a Savior. I need a Savior. And God sent His Son to bring salvation and forgiveness, to bring restoration and to bring hope. This is the good news of Christmas that we celebrate. Friends, don't allow the craziness of this season and all the craziness of life in general to take away your focus from what it is that needs to be celebrated. Allow the good news of Jesus to bring you great joy and allow the enormity of this good news to then fill you with awe and wonder as you worship the newborn king. Now, as we draw our time to a close this evening, I want to do something that might seem a little bit unusual And maybe even a little bit risky, especially because we have some kids here sitting in the service tonight. But I want to ask you to take just one minute and we're going to have silence, okay? Now I know that this might feel like it's an hour that you're sitting here, but it's only a minute. You kids, I want you to do this too. I don't want you to just do this because your parents are elbowing you and nudging you and saying, Hey, Pastor Jason said be quiet. 
But what I want you to do is to try to be quiet and to pray. I don't want you to think about all the things that you're going to be doing over the next day or two. I want you to just, in the quietness, consider the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're maybe considering this for the first time, maybe, maybe you've never considered this before, and you say to God, you say, God, I don't even know this God that I'm praying to. But I, I pray that you would give me clarity. I pray that you would just open my eyes to, to see you more fully. If you are a Christ follower, I want you to spend some time to quietly consider the joy that we have been offered by the Savior being born. And then as you soak in the enormity of that good news, to be in awe at what God has done for you. So let's sit here in quiet for just a moment, and if your kids make some noise, please don't be embarrassed by that. It's really okay. I mean, we are a family, right? It's no big deal. But then after just a, a moment of silence, I'll close this in prayer. So let's be silent.